Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Let me show you something. Turn your Bibles, Exodus 35. Exodus 35. Verse 21. Hallelujah. And this, by the way, is the principle behind what I said I would share with you, how to get the anointing to work, right? I told you that many Christians, what they do is to load their guns, but they never get to shoot. So it is one thing to know how to load a gun. It is another thing to know how to aim and shoot. So it is a great paradox that you can be full of power and see very little manifestation. I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Did you hear what I said? The Lord is changing my sermon and I'm just trying to. But it's okay. Exodus 35, 21. And they came everyone whose heart stirred him up. There came everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing. See, let me tell you something. Before I come to this, it's still in line with this, but before I come to the generosity part, as a child of God, I know you have limitless capabilities in the spirit. It says unto him, Ephesians 3.20, who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. So meaning, even if you tried to stretch the extent of the ability of God with your imagination, whatever you arrive at in your imagination is still a gross underestimation of what you are capable of by the power of God that resides in you. Do you understand what I just said? You know, that's lofty and that's nice. But how about the manifestation? How do we get into it? Because it looks like um, the energy that we carry is potential. How do we get it kinetic? How do we get it to get stuff done? It is by a stare. Did you hear what I said? What did I, what did I call it? How many of you have mixed a lubo before? I've tried to make a mala. Or you have seen people do it. Or how many of you have the guys watching online will be like, what is a lubo? <laughs> guys walking from we have an international audience. So if you are mixing pap, which by the way is a spiritual gift. <laughs> if you can make ogi, you are you are Never doubt that God is with you. <laughs> that thing, you know. 
But now, there has to be an intensity, or let me use one that everybody can relate with. Maybe you're making cake and you're stirring the flour, all right? There has to be an intensity to it. If what you're making is going to be smooth and it's going to work, you have to stay fast. And this is, this is a terrible analogy because it's not that mechanical when it comes to the things of the Spirit. You don't, I'm not asking you to don't have that picture. But I'm just saying, the power that you have will remain dormant until you learn to stare it. And here is the irony. Someone can have maybe one billion kilowatts of power. Excuse the measurement. I'm just trying to paint a picture in your mind. Another person has 500,000 kilowatts of power. But the person who has 500,000 kilowatts of power can stay 400,000 kilowatts of power. And the person that has 1 billion can stay 200,000 kilowatts of power. It turns out that what determines how effective, we would, how effective we will be in our charismatic ministry is not the capacity that we have, but the intelligence in the use. There is something called the mastery just by use, you know, by the law of use, by reason of use. By reason of use. Pay attention. This will change your life. First and foremost, you have to understand the realm that you're dealing with. The protocols there are different. The rules there are different. The senses of the spirit and the way things are descending the natural are very different. The protocols are different. I heard this powerful illustration that someone gave years ago, and it's so powerful, so relatable. In Nigeria, especially if you are Yoruba, if you see an elderly person, you prostrate to greet the person. And so just imagine you see someone very influential from your tribe. You go to maybe um, the king of your village, and you want to greet this king, then you just maybe lie prostrate. But when you travel to the US, and you have the opportunity to see the US president, you have to understand the protocol around him is different. And the security officials are paranoid. Any unwanted movements, they will shoot you. They will think, what are you trying to do? So what might be seen as a sign of respect might be a potential threat before the US president. You are, just try, don't try it. But you are approaching the US president and you just go like, <laughs> they will jump on you. <laughs> do you understand what I just said? So you have to understand that protocols are different in different kingdoms. For instance, in a normal sociocultural construct, there is a way we have been taught to take praise. When they say, oh, you know what, you're so handsome. You're just like, ah, stop it, or something. 
or you know how people always say is God and they don't really mean it <laughs> or they always say don't mention but the day you take that advice you'll be in trouble just don't mention next time <laughs> that's when you know they never meant it but there are just some things that some coping mechanisms all right that we use to go through life and so that we don't seem obnoxious we don't seem arrogant Some of us have mastered it so well, we can't even take a simple compliment. We must excuse it. But in the realm of the spirit, if you don't brag, you won't see power in your life. In your normal sociocultural construct, you don't say what you have so that you don't seem arrogant. But in the realm of the spirit, if you don't say what you have, you can't use what you have. It's the law of use. It won't work for you well until you say that you have it. So Jesus is filled with the spirit in the wilderness. All of this I didn't plan to say, but it's okay. He's filled with the spirit in the wilderness. You know, he returns straight, goes to the synagogue. And then they make a mistake. They say, who has a Bible reading? And then he opens. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel. You know, and the Bible categorically says all eyes were on him. When he was done, he said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled before your eyes. So, in our day, maybe they say, you're anointed, ah, stop it. You think, no. In the realm of the spirit, you say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. You acknowledge it boldly. And you will not be bragging his acknowledgement. Do you know that if you study the communication of Jesus, Paul the apostle, you might have had, you see, the Jews were not... We're not used to this kind of communication. Okay, we know that you are the son of God, but people don't understand it. Calm down now. You know that if you keep saying it, they will kill you. But you will just say, say I and my father are one. Ah, ah! And we're like, who is this guy? He will say it. Look at it. One day, people were there. And then he saw a sick person. Heal the person and go. No. You, you know what he said? He said, your sins are forgiven. And then when people were puzzled by that statement, he said, which is easier? You think I don't know what I'm doing. It is easier to say, carry your bed and walk. But I said it on purpose so that you will know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. Are you getting what I'm saying? So I, I, he said, I want you to know that I, I get out. That's why I said it that way, so that you will talk. If you study the communication of Paul, you would think he was just so arrogant. He says, you, you have many instructors, 
but not many fathers. He said, I have begotten you in the gospel. He says, others are laboring and that's okay. Other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ. He said, I am the wise master builder. He said, anybody that is laboring, you know, let them be careful how they add to what I'm doing. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Wait now. He said, but the grace that was bestowed on me is not in vain. He said, I labored more abundantly. Do you know, do you know, do you know how controversial that is? You, you just came. Peter walked with Jesus. <laughs> or when he said they all, you think they don't know who he's talking about? <laughs> I labored more abundantly than... He said, are they apostles? I more. Have you read that? <laughs> I more. <laughs> I more. Then he went to tell you his credentials. Even his, his sufferings. Told you how many times he had been beaten, how many times he, peril of danger, peril of, you know, by, by anything you want to call it. I'm an apostle. Not just an apostle, wise master builder. If you read the book of Galatians with a simple translation, your hand will be on your head throughout. He said, I saw some who seemed to be pillars. He's talking about the body of Christ. <laughs> anyway, you can't talk like that in this particular context because this is apostolic talk. That's their business amongst the apostles. They should sort it out, all right? But it does teach us something important. You must learn to talk big about what God has done in your life. You must learn it. You must learn. You must learn. You must learn. Talk big. Talk big. Because no matter how much power that you have, if you don't acknowledge it through confession, through bold proclamations, you will see very little at work. See, one day, we were praying in a bush, was Pastor Mike and I, who is now the pastor of the Potakot branch, but we were in school then. Not really a bushy area, like garden. A bush in Covenant University is different. <laughs> but we were praying away from the eyes of people. And I remember we finished praying that night. We were about to go. We had ended. And the Lord stopped me. He was talking. Pastor Mike was there, but he was talking, clearly. And he said, stretch out your hands. So I stretched out my hands. And I told Pastor Mike to do the same. I told him, this is what the Lord is asking me to do. And he said, say this. The Lord was teaching me. He said, I'm full of power. I said, I'm full of power. From the crown of my head, I said, from the crown of my head. To the tip of my toes, I said, to the tip of my toes. I'm full of power. Say, anywhere I step into, I said, anywhere I step into, people see it. They discern it. 
discern it by the contact of my eyes, by my appearance, by my words. It is communicable. It is transferable. So we finished. And then we were going upstairs. We climbed the staircase. As we were climbing the staircase, I saw a lady, you know, she needed help. That's to put it mildly, but a lot of spiritual problems. Let's just say she was, all her rooms were occupied by spirit beings. And honestly, at that time, it was already late, so I didn't even. So she just said, hello. And I said, how do you do? And I gave her a handshake. And as soon as I gave her a handshake, I felt something flow through my body straight to her. And she just, you know, <laughs> looked at me funny and fell. This was on the staircase. It was a casual handshake. Fell and all the demons began to leave. Now, up until that moment, I had never experienced that. And my idea of casting out demons, or de deliverance as they call it, before, ah, uh is -uh. <laughs> argumental. You fold your sleeves. I say go. You must say no. Okay, hold on. <laughs> you will not go now. No. You remove your shoe. By the time you are done, people won't know, won't know who is delivered between you and the person. <laughs> you are both looking miserable. Have you seen people out of frustration, they resort to physical means? They start slapping me. My life changed from that day. I said, wow, so this is the trigger. This is the trigger. When I confess what I have, I open the tap. Open the tap. My life changed. My life changed. My life changed. It's the consciousness. Be modest to your own peril. <laughs> you have to talk big. I remember in school then, the Lord had called me. I knew I was the pastor. But I hadn't told anybody. But you know something about God. When he gives you something, and this is why you must talk about the grace of God on your life. Because God is also loud about his grace on your life. God is loud about it. When God gives you something, he wants to show it off. And so you might just be minding your business at the baptism of John. He would, he would tear the sky. Throw a dove down as a witness. And say to the hearing of everybody, this is my beloved son. That's the way he operates. See, if there is grace on your life, you can't hide. You, you can't hide. It's an abomination to hide. It's different from how, you know. So I was in this man's office. Very simple. You know how um, registrations are. In our days, 
there was, I don't know, there was still part computer and part, I don't know how it's done. There is a final stage, you take forms from lecturer to lecturer. And this guy is not even in my depart department, you know. But he had to sign. He, he doesn't know me, he didn't know me, he had never seen me before. So I just came, so I want to sign my form. I said, okay. He was about to sign. He stopped, he dropped his pen, he looked at me, and he asked me, are you a pastor? You know, I said, in my mind, I said, here we go again, because that period, the grace was exposing me. I literally used to dodge from people. There's no man, anytime he sees me, as if familiar spirit, but it wasn't familiar spirit. You just say, this boy, you will plant churches. I've seen it. You will I say, God, you know. I'm, do you understand? It was everywhere. Remember the time a pastor asked to see my mom. Was, you know, my mom was supposed to visit someone for prayers. So she asked me to follow her. I'd, I'd come back from school at the time. It was 200 level. I had caught fire. They did not know. <laughs> As we stepped into the man's place, the man asked her, why are you here? Ah, she was not like, what do you mean why am I? We have been communicating on the phone. They asked him, why am I here? I said, why are you here? He said, I came for prayers. And he, he said, you have a son like this and you came to me for prayers. Ah, do my look me that ah. <laughs> then I was meeting him for the first time. He said, you have a son like this, you came to me for prayers. Me that I was thinking, how would I tell them? How do I? He said, your son will plant churches. <laughs> I said, God. <laughs> Oh my God, stories for another day. <laughs> Say your son will plant, told him, told her there. Your son will plant churches. But this man asked me a direct question. He said, are you a pastor? You know, I had been trained to say, I'm just a believer. I'm just a child of God. The Lord said, don't say no. Don't say no. So I said, yes, I am. He said, I knew it. I said, the moment, he said, the moment you stepped in here, the atmosphere changed. This is office. Hallelujah. So, it is good that you pray. Not, I want to break some myths. And just, just permit me. And if you don't understand this, don't worry, you'll get it soon. But I found that not all prayerful people are powerful. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. I remember some guys came to ask me in school. They couldn't understand it. Try to cast out demons from someone, and the demon said, ah, so-and-so person is prayerful but cannot cast me out. Ah, ah. I said, why the shade now? <laughs> and as they were doing that, someone came in with a suit I had given him one year before. I had given him and graduated. And the demon started screaming, Immanuelian suits. Can you imagine that? He had dry cleaned the suits well many times. The identities remained. 
Immanuelian suit. Don't bring it close to me. Don't bring it close to me. There is something else you need to learn. You need to learn to acknowledge. The Bible says, he said that we may boldly say. All right? He said that we may boldly say. What he has said about you must be what you say about yourself. He is loud about his grace on your life. You better be loud about your grace. Be loud about it. Again, as they prayed on the mount, Jesus and three of his disciples, the Bible says a cloud appeared above them and a voice from it. Same words. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Let me tell you something. If you go about trying to explain to people your call, you, you have missed something very fundamental in the realm of the spirit. You don't know how the spirit operates. Go and cook yourself. It's what I said in the morning. Eh? God sees the secret. He will reward openly. He will, let me tell you, before we announced that we're going to start church, people started coming to me. I saw you in a vision. The Lord said you're my pastor. I had not said a word. The Lord said you're my pastor. All over the world, strange confirmations. At the break, before I came here, I prayed for someone who is in Canada, Toronto. He said, I've... He said, I saw you in the dream twice. This is someone who has never attended our service. I saw you in the dream twice, praying for me. I sense that I'm supposed to follow you. Ah, print flyer is okay, it's good. <laughs> but there are more important things. Are you getting what I'm saying? Stay with the graces. Acknowledge it. Cook yourself in it. When you do, eh, orientals will follow the star. They will trace it to you. You might be asking for partnership. They will bring gold. <laughs> you might not be in an exotic hotel. They will find you to the manger like this. Eh? Think about it. Kings came to a manger. Maybe that never dawned on you. It wasn't an exotic hotel. And even all those Christmas cards, you don't know, they look so touche. <laughs> Mangers usually wouldn't look so nice. And they entered the manger, bowed to a child, and worshipped. Forget it. <laughs> In our realm, there's a more excellent way. <laughs> A more excellent way. Stop explaining. Don't persuade anybody that does not believe in you. Go and stay with God. When you do, shepherds will be minding their business. Angels will appear and start singing. Ah, you people have not heard. Someone has been born. They say, who? 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 Please, do you get what I'm saying? Yes, so, you, you, you must learn the principle of the stare. Learn to stare. Stare. Stare yourself. Say this to me. I believe with my heart. 
that God sent Jesus to die for me. Say, he died my death. He rose again the third day. I was raised with him. Say, he sat at the right hand of the Father. Say, I'm seated with him. And now, I have the Holy Ghost. I have limitless abilities. I have limitless capacity. Say, these hands work miracles. These hands will do the impossible. These hands will not know lack. Say, I prosper in the will of God. Say, I walk in the will of God. And I prosper therein. Hallelujah. Say, men are coming from afar. They come bearing gifts. They come to favor me. Say, people are dreaming about me. Say, my, the favor... Say that again. Say, people are dreaming about me. Say, they are commanded to favor me. Hallelujah. That's, that's a stare. That's a stare. Let me tell you something. You can pray for hours and not feel what you just felt. Do you understand the difference now? You can pray that long and not feel what you just felt. Prayer is important. But like Jesus, when you are done 40 days, come out and declare. Come out. See, I'm not saying, you know, some people, they just do a lot of confessing, they don't pray. Some people do a lot of praying, they don't confess. Jesus did 40 days and he came out. He said, this day. says, <laughs> If you don't learn to boldly declare, it might be yours, but you won't see it. I'm telling you. He said, this day. Learn to be audacious about it. Don't be timid about it. So Paul and Silas, they're in prison. You know, you can imagine what the other prisoners are saying. Uh, Jesus people. Now I'll be this. But they got up in the night. And they didn't allow their situation to make them start whispering. Oh, good morning, Jesus. Because of shame. <laughs> the Bible was detailed enough to tell us that they prayed and sang and the prisoners heard them. The Bible tells us the prisoners heard them. Don't say it in secret. Have you seen people who say, ah, and I said it all. Something told me and something was telling me it has passed. Next time, say it, let us, let us hear. <laughs> Have you seen <laughs> Or you don't know what, you've never encountered people like that. I, I wanted to say it, you didn't say it. The things God has told you about your future, say it ahead of time. Say it ahead of time. Speak it forth. Speak it forth. Speak it forth. So, you get the anointing to work for you, first of all, by walking in the consciousness of who you are through confession. 
Number two, I will touch on this a little because if I teach on it the way I understand it, it's going to, it's going to be controversial. I've taught on it in passing. But maybe one day, there are some sermons I will preach in 10 years' time. <laughs> hmm? Number two is the supply of the Spirit. And it's very hard to explain, but I will try. And here is the thing. You can attempt to do anything by faith. You have biblical jurisdiction to do that. But there is another corridor <laughs> called the supply of the Spirit. When it comes to the supply of the Spirit, it looks like there is specific ease in an area. Ease. Pay attention to this. Ha, ah, I don't even know if you're ready for this. I will say it. Jesus goes to the pool of Bethesda, a pool filled with sick people, and he goes to one man. Ah. In many places you hear Jesus healed them all. This particular instance, he went to one man. Will you be made home? Pick your bed and walk. I'm like, Jesus, what about the rest? So as someone administering the anointing, it is one thing to just say, okay, this sign shall follow them that believe. Okay, I'm going to pray for the sick. But if you want to flow with the anointing, there is an intelligence with flowing with the anointing. Sometimes it might be a particular time. You just know, okay, you might be preaching and you know at this time I must pray for the sick. Some of you know what I'm saying. At, at this time, you just feel there's an opening. Even though you are meant to biblically pray for the sick at all times. But there are seasons. You just know, okay, this is the time. You're in the boat with Peter. He said, cast your nets now. You might have toiled all night. But in the realm of the spirit, there is a time. Okay, do it now. And the results will be different. That's the supply of the spirit. Timing and direction. So, Jesus had caused a lot of trouble. They were trying to find him to kill him. And so he went to hiding. This was why when Lazarus was sick, he couldn't go out. Because they were looking for him to kill him. And then four days after, he knew it was time. And he says, those who walk in the dark will stumble. He was talking about light, using metaphors of light and darkness to describe the fact that he knew it was time. I can go out now. Praise the name of the Lord. See, let me tell you something. Learn to walk with the Spirit of God. Learn to go with the flow of the Spirit. You might not always understand it. You may not always know why. 
Sometimes it's the little things. He will tell you, wear this cloth. He will tell you, go this way. This thing you want to do, do it this way. Preach this way. Say it this way. If you learn what I am telling you, the manifestation of the Spirit in your life will increase at least times seven. Because let me tell you something. It is one thing. It is Bible knowledge to know that you can pray for the sick and they will be healed. It is the supply of the Spirit to know the difference between, okay, blind eye open, and then in some instance, you bend down, pick clay, spit on it. Listen, healing must not always happen the same way. So it is, you can have textbook knowledge that I will pray for the sick, they will be healed. It is another thing for you to say, okay, this is how I am to go about it right now. And that, that's why it looks like many times Jesus is praying for people with the same condition in different ways. It's the supply. It's the supply. Learn to go with the supply. If you go with the supply, the manifestations on your life will increase. It affects every aspect of your Christian work. For instance, you know, there's a lot of debate on giving in the body of Christ. It's not just the body of Christ. It's human beings, anything relating money is a big deal. Governments too. And people wonder, I think I've taught on this before. People wonder, ah, some will say theologically, sowing and reaping does not work. Others will say, I did it, it worked up for me. You know, there was a time there was a phrase that was raining, that tithing debate time. I tithe, come and beat me. You know? <laughs> and I now wondering, okay, which side? And then Jesus comes and he tells you, there were many widows in Zarephath. Here, there were many widows in Zarephath, but to no other widow was the prophet sent. Meaning, the, sowing and reaping does not exactly work by principle. It works by supernatural opportunity. Ah. <laughs> Should we talk about something else? Are you ready for this? <laughs> it doesn't exactly... So, if there was any other widow in Zarephath that gave their last meal, on your own, no, you're going to die. He said there were many... To no other widow was the prophet sent. Supernatural opportunity. The person who was the master of this thing was Abraham. Abraham could spot grace. He, he rare. Melchizedek, the strange guys who actually happened to be angels, he just knew how to spot grace. Didn't you ever wonder 
You will just see strangers and just accost them. Ah, no, I must, you know. That's how it works. That's how it works. And listen, when there is a supply of the Spirit, it is easy. If it is generosity, normally, maybe to give 100,000, your whole body will be, have you given before? <laughs> As you were going, you were like, who sent me that? God. <laughs> who sent me? And mind you, giving is also a discipline. Listen, I'm not negating the normal principles of devotion. There can be a supply of the Spirit to pray, but you have to have a prayer life. And to have a prayer life, you won't always feel like praying, but you must pray. You have to understand what I'm saying. But sometimes it looks like there is an opening in your soul. You go one hour, it was like, ah, was that five minutes? Some of you are like, eh? <laughs> I've never experienced it. Don't worry, you will. Happens for generosity too. Sometimes, you know, the grace is on you. That's what we're reading here. Exodus 35, 21. Put it up again. And there came everyone whose heart stirred him up. It was a stare. Follow the stare. Follow the stare. See, what I'm telling you is important. Because God is spirit. Spirits don't change. So the same way he told Abraham one day, take your son. He might tell you to take something and give. God still instructs. A lot of Christocentric people don't know this. Have you noticed when people started growing in Christocentric knowledge, you stopped hearing about people sewing car. Have you noticed <laughs> It's like those things are depreciating. I am Mania Nico says. When the anointing is on you, follow it. If it is to pray, if it is to minister the anointing, if it is to sometimes, huh, it is to talk to someone and it looks like there is a prophetic window that the negotiation will go right. If you know, you know. One of the weirdest testimonies I've ever experienced that I don't like sharing. I don't like sharing it because it's so sacred to me. I know it happened, you know. And there are, just some, there are, there are two in particular I don't like sharing. <laughs> One I think I've only shared once, if possible, maybe, maybe never. And I might just hear debates on it. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even, I say jokingly, just imagine me preaching now and I say, I don't believe that God blesses. Angels will say, ah, glory, roll, ah, 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 ungrateful. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, leave all those testimonies, stick to the word, right? Leave, leave examples. Are you ready to practice this? So, 
In fact, how did we get here? All <laughs> there are some of you, the Spirit of the Lord has stirred you to give. He told me to tell you this. So he stirred you and he made me say it so that you will know that I know and that he knows. I need to be a confirmation. Praise the Lord. So we're not saying this because we just want to fill our accounts, but because there is work to be done. And mind you, when the, when the, when the stare is there, what is needed will be exceeded. These people, they gave, Moses had to give an instruction. Nobody should give again. Have you heard of that before? He said, there's no space. So the Bible says they felt restrained. Oh, like they wanted to give more. They felt restrained. Ah, they stopped us. <laughs> All those days have gone. Is the gospel worthy of that kind of support? Hallelujah. Was I hearing double? I heard no. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then in your personal work, learn to go with the flow. Learn to go. Sometimes you will just be praying and someone will come to mind. You have to be intelligent in the realm of the spirits. Especially when you are in a season of prayer, make sure nothing passes your eyes. Even if the, the, the prophecy was not detailed, follow it. Follow it. Sometimes it is until you follow it that you will get more details. It is until you follow it that you get more details. Praise the Lord. Someone comes to mind when you are praying. Call the person immediately at dawn. How are you doing? came to my mind. I just wanted to check on you. You'll be amazed. Learn to go with the flow of the Spirit. Were you blessed? Thank you, Jesus. Pray in the Spirit right now. Holy Ghost again do it open my eyes to see Jesus seated Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. All right, be seated. Now, just so that we complete our mission, because I didn't actually plan to talk on this, Let's do as briefly as possible. I'm just going to compress everything. Praying in the Spirit, part three, right? Praying by the Spirit, part three. 
And I said part three is that the Holy Spirit helps us cry Maranatha. What does Maranatha mean? It's an Aramaic word. Marana means, oh Lord. And Atha means, come. Some translate it, our Lord cometh or will come. Revelations chapter 22 verse 20. Revelations chapter 22 verse 20. It says, He which testified these things saith, Surely I come quickly. How many of you know that Jesus is coming soon? He said, Surely I come quickly. And I like this. He says, Even so, come Lord Jesus. Oh, you said you're coming. So we are reiterating what you already said. Your promise is our prayer. You're coming quickly. Even so, come. Come, Lord. Come quickly. Come quickly. And one of the reasons why we cry, Maranatha, is because of the grave paradox of salvation. Paul called it the greatest mystery in the world, which is this Christ in you, the hope of glory. Elsewhere unto the church at Corinth, he said, we carry this treasure in earthen vessels. What am I referring to? In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. So how do I become a new creature? When my visage doesn't change, I still have the same height, I still have the same appearance. What are you talking about? Man is essentially, as many call man, even though I slightly disagree, but for the sake of this class, a tripartite being. We are spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. But for the man without Jesus, that man is dead. Ephesians 2.1 You have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the earth, the spirit that now walketh in children of disobedience. He says, you were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 4 says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together. Meaning he has made us alive. In the gospel, we were made alive. Did you hear what I said? In the gospel, we were made alive. He has made us alive and made us sit together with him in heavenly places. Now, we have this spirit alive in us, the hidden man of the heart. You have a hidden man in your heart. What we see is just your casing. In fact, just like a phone, you're going to change the casing soon. You're going to receive a new body. But here is the paradox. This spirit, the very offspring of God, that hails from God, born of his word, lives in a body. Paul said, we carry this treasure in earthen vessels. It's a mystery that sons of God can face persecution. Sons of God can be whipped, beaten. Sons of God can be tired. 
Because the body that is carrying the spirit can be tired. The spirit is never tired. And it looks like the spirit is in some sense limited. It can do more, but it has to rely on this body. For instance, no matter the grace on your life, if you, if you spend time preaching everywhere, 15 hours daily, non-stop, your body will respond. Epaphroditus was such a man. Because of his passion for the gospel, he overworked himself. And the Bible says he became sick. And Paul said, God had mercy on me. The mighty Paul, who worked miracles, said this one is a case of mercy because this guy did the wrong thing. He shouldn't have overworked himself this way. He had mercy on me lest I sorrow upon sorrow. So there are still rules. You might wish you could travel around the world without sleeping, just preaching the gospel. After all, Jesus is coming soon, but you will still need to rest. And think about the Son of God himself in the boat, tired and sleeping. The boat was sinking. Do you know what it means for a boat to sink? It means water was entering the boat. The water was likely touching him. He was so deep in sleep, he didn't wake up. I'm just like my father, you see. He gives his beloved sleep. I act on that word. Some, of, some people, that's the only word they act on. <laughs> but I said all of that to say this. Now Paul says, Romans 8, 18, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. I reckon. All the contradictions are all pointing somewhere. Maybe you hear that a great Christian suffered some form of hardship. And you're wondering, why? What happened? What do you mean, what happened? We're still in this world. And guess what? No level of excellence in charismatic ministry will eradicate the hope of salvation. Do you understand? So even though we heal the sick, there will still be occurrences in the world that will make us realize that even this is temporary, that even if Lazarus is raised from the dead, he will still grow old and die. Do you understand that? God's final solution is a new body. And so we have to anticipate that new body and reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. The outward man is perishing. The inward man is crying for expression. There is glory to be revealed in us. And then he says, this creature that we received, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 that I quoted, is waiting for the glorious liberty of the sons of God. That word liberty suggests that it feels caged right now. That it was subjected to vanity in hope. Your flesh is vain. It's subjected. It has to be here. And then he says the whole creation now, he's not talking about the inward man of the heart. He's talking about the earth. He uses a figure of speech called personification. Listen, I, I, I would usually break things down more than this, but time is fast spent, all right? So you listen to this as often as you need to. He uses a figure of speech called personification where um, living 
attributes are attributed to non-living things. When you say the, the trees clapped their hands, that's personification, right? He says the whole creature, meaning the earth, groans. How can the earth groan? He said the earth is complaining too. Every time an ocean goes beyond its banks to destroy houses and drown people, the ocean is groaning because God did not create oceans to destroy things. Are you getting what I'm saying? Every time there is a natural disaster, the earth is groaning and complaining. The groan is silence. But there is a complaint. So what is that groan? It is just the obvious gap between what we should be doing and what is. Or what we could be doing and what is. So by God's design, the ocean should not destroy things. But it is destroying things. That's a groan. Speaking metaphorically. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's Paul's language. And he says, we also, I'm quoting offhand, I hope you are following me. Verse 23, we, I'm in verse 23 now. So just follow me. And not they, but we also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we also groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to which the redemption of our body. So there is a hidden complaint. The same way you can't hear the groaning of the earth, you might not hear the groaning within. But your spirit man is complaining. Every time it has to <laughs> be put to rest again because your body must rest and it knows it can do more. It's complaining. <laughs> Are you getting this? This is so important. But here is the thing. Sometimes we are not even sensitive to that groan. We are so accustomed to what we think is normal. The things our spirit is complaining about are the things that are normal to our mind. We just say, our oh, things happen. People get tired. People get sick. People die. And then your spirit is saying, no. It shouldn't be. And all the mishap of the world is making your spirit cry for that new body. Are you getting what I'm saying? But because we are so accustomed to the limitations and what is normal in the earth realm, now there is an infirmity. What is an infirmity? Not necessarily a sickness, just an inability. And Paul talks about it in verse 26. This is a brief commentary. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmity. For we know not what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. So now, three things that are groaning, right? The earth is groaning. Our spirit is groaning. And then the Spirit helps us with groanings that cannot be uttered. You know, a lot of people have said, that means the Spirit is praying for us. No. Prayer is utterance. But this is a groan that cannot be uttered. Is that simple enough? That's one. Number two, the Spirit does not pray for us. We are the ones to pray. We don't know how to pray. And so he helps us. He's helping us. 
He fills in the gap. You see, this same, and you know, a lot of people also think he was talking about prayer because he said intercession. We think of intercessory departments. Oh, Lord. Shola must marry this year. Oh, God. But not necessarily. I didn't say Pastor Shola. I said Shola. Look at, look at verse 34 of the same Romans 8. I need to move quickly with this now. He says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. What do you think this means? What intercession is Christ making there? You think he's praying? That as he's at the right hand of God, he's saying, Olua. You think that's what Jesus is doing? <laughs> the intercession here, listen, man has infirmities, God makes intercession. We have shortcomings, intercession fills in the gap. That's what intercession means, to fill in the gap. It can be applied to prayer, but not necessarily in prayer. So, I don't want to spend too much time on this. Follow. So, we don't know how to pray as we ought. We don't even see, um, like, when, 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 when I say, oh, desire your new body, a new believer might be like, ah, <laughs> is that not too deep? Some people, their definition of Christianity is how God, I'm saying respectfully, how God can bless them. They like things that are more applicable. But now we're talking about prayer, a different kind of prayer. And we're saying, cry Maranatha. Say, come quickly, Lord. And we don't even see the necessity of that. That's the infirmity he's talking about. Huh? And as we are groaning, waiting for the adoption of that new body, whilst we are waiting, there can be a gap filler that, yeah, this is the promise, but for now, you have this. And that's the intercession of the Spirit. Do you understand? That's why he's called the first fruit, the foretaste. That, yeah, the new body has not come. There's a lot you can do, but you have the Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Look at Ephesians 1.13. Ephesians 1.13. It says, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Everybody read, continue from there, one to go. In whom also, after that you believed, you were what? With the Holy Spirit of promise, verse 14. Now, that's intercession. We crave that inheritance, our new body, the glory thereof. But now you have received earnest down payment. Do you understand what I'm saying? A guarantee that that body is coming. That's the intercession. But I said all of that for a reason. 
the Holy Spirit helps us anticipate better what is coming. He helps us cry, come quickly, Lord. He helps us cry, come quickly, Lord. He helps us cry, Maranatha. Because that's his function. You understand his function? He is there to remind us that something better is coming and that he is the down payment. Do you understand that now? Everyone who walks with the Spirit of God, discerning his ministry as he ought, will be conscious of the coming of Christ. Because the Holy Spirit is a foretaste and he is meant to kindle an appetite for the whole. Do you understand what I just said? So he helps us. Before the advent of the Spirit, we didn't know what to desire as we ought. But now the Spirit has taken up that infirmity and filled in the gap for us. In the Holy Ghost, we know there's, there's an inner knowledge and an inner consciousness that Christ is coming. You should pay more attention to it. No child of God with a vibrant walk with the Spirit of God is not conscious of the coming of his Christ. If you didn't have that consciousness, it's because nobody taught you that that's one of the duties of the Spirit in you. He helps us cry Maranatha. In the Holy Ghost, you anticipate the resurrection more than ever before. More than ever before. You know one of the reasons why that's so profound? Because the Holy Spirit is the trigger of the resurrection. There is a technology amongst men that can help us um, explain this. Not all remotes can work for all televisions. Isn't that true? If you press a remote control and the television responds, it is because there is something in the television that is programmed to respond to the remotes. They have something in common. Isn't that true? The same way, there is a voice activation technology when Christ comes. The moment the trumpet sounds, that's when you will realize there's a voice activation technology at work in you. The Bible says in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. Corruption will be swallowed up by incorruption. Moment, twinkling of an eye, that change will occur. How is this going to work? It says, if the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, Romans 8, 11, he that raised up Jesus from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body. How? By the spirit that dwells in you. Meaning, 
that the provision and the technology for the resurrection is already inside. When Christ comes, he won't need to do anything external. A sound just needs to go off. A sound that your spirit recognizes. As your spirit hears the sound, it just checks out. Pam! <laughs> Glory! Hallelujah! That's the work of the spirit. He helps us desire that. So you mean this spirit that I have is the same spirit by which Christ was raised? Oh! Thank God for every other thing that the Holy Spirit does through us. Thank God for the gift of tongues. Thank God for the gifts of the Spirit. But there is this consciousness of the resurrection. Consciousness. Let me tell you something. Have you seen those movies when um, a bomb has been triggered? You know, those hand bombs that have this trigger that you put your finger, you know, Grenade, thank you. I just knew I was just testing. <laughs> oh, thank you. So, <laughs> focus, Joe. So, now when that pin has been removed, you see how fidgety people are. Maybe it, it's removed, but it's still in their hand like this. Because you know at any time, this bomb can go off. That's what the Spirit of God represents in us. A reminder this is the primary function of the spirit's resurrection. A reminder that at any time, impromptu, a sound goes off and boom, a change. An explosion. Not a destructive one, a constructive one. Hallelujah. That's what the spirit of God represents. And everybody who knows this, won't get carried away. The Holy Ghost helps us cry, Maranatha. Because he's there to help in our transformation experience when the time comes. And so in the Holy Ghost, we wait, we anticipate, you know, one of the most beautiful songs ever written. He said, I can only imagine what it will be like when I see Jesus. Is it surrounded by your glory? What, what will I do? Will I dance or in awe be still? Will I sing? Will I be able to speak at all? Will I kneel? Is, I, I can only imagine. Have you imagined it? When, when, when you, you walk through those pearly gates and you see him and you realize nothing else in the world comes close in beauty, in significance. And listen, and this is why you must live for him now. Because that day, you will wish you can go back and do more for him. But that time would have passed. And you have to be telling him, you know, I love you. No more opportunity to prove it. This is the time to prove his, your love for him. And he walks to you places his hand on your shoulder, calls your name, and says, great job, son. Great job, daughter. And he holds you. Let's go in. I have a lot to show you. 
something to desire, right? It just might not be as far away as you think. Remember, the trigger is in you. That pin, that voice activation technology. So advanced, only believers will hear the sound. But when we hear it, we know how to respond. We know it's instinctive. <laughs> the moment we hear, pam, pam, eh. <laughs> eh. I wish we can choose our style as we are going. <laughs> Glory! <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Jesus is coming soon, I tell you. But you must know how to wait. There is how to wait. You don't wait by sitting and crossing your leg. That's not how to wait for Jesus. The way to wait is to occupy. I told you in the morning, right? To occupy till he comes. I don't know why we don't really hear as many teachings on this, but I want to show you something. Philippians 3, 10 and 11. Let me show you that quickly. Thank you, Lord. Philippians 3, 10. He says that I may know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Let me tell you something. If you don't desire fellowship of his suffering, you are not expecting the power of his resurrection. You know, somehow we just say, Jesus is coming soon. We sing about it and we think that's it. But both go hand in hand. We are joint heirs in the experience. Before Christ was raised, there was a suffering. And so if we desire his resurrection, we must embrace his suffering. Maybe no one ever told you, I'm telling you now. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means, everybody read verse 11 together, one, two, go. Meaning this is how to desire the resurrection. Embrace the suffering. The way to wait for the coming of Christ is to take up his responsibility. Take up his passion. You need to put your ear on his heart. Feel his heartbeat. Go in the direction of that heartbeat. What is God's passion on the earth? If he was here, what will he be doing? How can I advance his kingdom? And no matter the inconvenience, no matter the costs, you put him first. That's how to live. That is how to expect his resurrection. Not just to wait, but to walk. Did you hear what I said? The scriptures are replete with myriads of texts on this. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 17. Popular text, but somehow we just keep the very important part here. He says, and if children, then heirs. And we like that. This staring. Oh, we are heirs. Heirs 
is of God and joint heirs with Christ. Everybody read, if so be. Want to go? Did you see that? If so be is conditional. That we suffer with him. That we may be glorified together. So he tells us, take, take up your cross. Follow me. You don't follow me without a cross. You don't wait for me without a cross. So at every time T in your life, you must be able to identify what you are doing for the gospel of Christ. That's how to wait. Our weight must be purposeful. Our weight must be intentional. Our weight must be evangelical. That's how to wait. Maybe no one taught you how to wait. I'm telling you now. This is the real way to expect the coming of Christ. Look at Colossians 1.24. Very interesting text. Colossians 1.24. It says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up, can you say fill up, that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ. You know, the interesting thing is, <laughs> this afternoon I taught you about not coming behind in spiritual gifts. The Bible is also telling you don't come behind in sufferings. He says, fill up. Your account balance, your suffering balance is low. You are not bearing enough burden for the gospel. Throw your life into this assignment. Throw your energy into this assignment. Throw your intellect into this assignment. Use your gifts for the gospel. Use your influence for the gospel. Let every aspect of your life cry Maranatha. Let your purse cry Maranatha. Let your energy cry Maranatha. Walk like someone who is expecting the second coming of Christ. Please, do you get what I'm saying? That's how to wait. I want to give you a charge that in public and in private function as a soldier of Christ. Reduce the distraction in your life. It says, he that is a soldier does not entangle himself with the affairs of civilians. There are some things that, you know, they are for ordinary people. Are, I'm sorry to say, they are for the people who are still dead in sins. You have bigger priorities. God must direct your life, direct your passion. For instance, when it comes to material possession, you can't, you can't compete with someone who doesn't share the burden of the gospel. You can't. I suggest to you, Give God your lifetime. Put your money where your faith is. Invest your energy for the propagation of the gospel. 
It is not for clergy alone. Don't look at your pastor and say, oh, he's so sold out to the gospel. Mm -mm. What I'm doing is supposed to provoke you to recognize your call. I must play my part too. You must contribute. Even if it is a quote once in a while or to share sermon notes so that people on your timeline will see it. You must be contributing to the advancement of this course. You must. Otherwise, don't claim to be waiting for the coming of Christ. Because you are not. Because you wait by walking. I want to challenge you. You, you, you are part and parcel of the assignments. By now, you should start asking, okay, what service unit can I join? How can I contribute? How can I um, be a part of this vision? How can we reach more people in this city for the gospel collectively? That's how you should be thinking. Praise the Lord. That's how you should be thinking. And every time the Lord blesses you, think about the gospel. By all means, buy a good car. But think about the gospel. By all means, change your wristwatch. But think about the gospel. Put your, always put your money where your faith is. Because every time your expenditure is printed, it doesn't matter how you think that God is worth more than silver and gold. Your expenditure shows your order of priority. If I want to know what you value, just show me your expenditure for the last five months. I will tell you in descending order the priorities of your life. Jesus is coming soon. We are going to evangelize this world. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000 Blessings